Shocking allegations about Princess Diana's death. There are people on Facebook who say it looks like Dobby from Harry Potter or a ghost or an alien. The Apollo 11 moon landing was shot on a secret film set in the Hollywood Hills. Certainly appear to still be covering up what exactly goes on at Area 51. sent us this picture of what he is calling a creature wading through a swamp near USF. Is it Nessie or not? How do I feel about this? To me, this is... Satan's greatest lie. The horizon of the ocean, and you go straight edge just to the other end, and it's it's flat. It's flat. I was in a meeting about a month ago. We were in preparation for this series. Because I don't do the creative stuff. Micah's creative team does all the creative. They come up with all the ideas and stuff. I just say, I'm going to preach on the book of James, and they say, okay, that's all you get. Don't give us any ideas because your titles are terrible and your ideas are awful. So <clears throat> they said, now listen, we're going to, out of the book of James, we're going to call it truthers. Well, I'd never heard that term. And I said, okay. And they said, we're going to talk about things like flat earth people. I said, well, what is that? They said, what, somebody believes the earth's flat? I said, no. Y'all are lying to me. And I knew they had all got together and they were going to just, just reel me in like a fish. And I said, no, y'all are lying. They said, no, no, really. I said, I mean, are, y'all t- are you telling me that there are people that believe that the earth is flat? And they said, absolutely. They have conventions. They have studies. And I said, well, that's the craziest thing that I've ever heard. But should non-believers Look at us who believe that we follow a man that rose from the grave. Shouldn't they look at us like we're crazy? Shouldn't the world look at us like truthers? See, the problem is this. We don't want people to think we're crazy. So what do we do? We try to make Christianity a little easier to believe. So we become chameleon Christians. We blend in with our surroundings because after all, who wants to look like a loon? So we sort of dumb everything down. But listen, Jesus said, they're going to kill you. They're going to imprison you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to think you're crazy because we live out his word in a world, in a wordless world. And if we're going to actually live it, and it's going to get harder and harder in our culture, if we're going to actually live it out, do it, people are going to think we're crazy. Would y'all agree with that? And Romans chapter 2, verse 13 says, For it is not those who hear the law that are just before God. It is those that do the law that are justified before God. You see, we live in a Christian church culture in America that you never have to do it. Come on. You just have to believe it. See, God is calling. Isn't, isn't, I mean, isn't it? Come on. We don't have to do it. We don't want to act. It's just, it's the deal. And so we live in this culture that's filled with conspiracy theories. And we as, we as Christ's truthers should stand out. And let me tell you one of the quickest ways you ought to be able to spot us. If you're listening, say, I am. We believe that trials are a good thing. Does the world believe that trials are a good thing? How many people have you heard complain, 2020 is the worst year I've ever lived? 
COVID's the most horrible thing. It's terrible. Life's terrible. We're inviting each other to our black tie pity parties. We're telling everybody who'll listen how terrible life is, how our job is horrible, how it's horrible. We complain and we cower. We get on social media and we tell everybody how terrible it is. Now, that should be the way the world responds, but should that be us? Because, see, we Christ truthers who actually believe the truth of the Word of God, we should stand out in this world. And listen, believing the the truth of the Word, if you believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created, the rest of it's easy. Isn't it? If God created the world, then raising his son from the dead's piece of cake. See, a truther, again, I didn't even know what this this, this word was. A truther is someone who doubts the generally accepted account or belief regardless of how they look to society. Last night, I finished the five o'clock service at Pellissippi campus and I was outside and a family stopped me and they said, hey, can we have a word with you? And I said, yeah, sure. I thought they were gonna tell me what an incredible sermon that they had just been blessed by. And they said, uh, hey, listen, we're flat earthers. No, you're not. They said, no, we really are. I said, come on now, is this, are you serious? They said, absolutely, we're serious. We are flat earthers. And you called us, see, last night, I was a lot more ugly than I have been in this sermon. Because <laughs> frankly, the thought of flat earther here in East Tennessee eluded me. It eluded me. I didn't realize there was any. Until three weeks ago, I didn't even know they existed. And they said, you called us stupid because last night I was far more disparaging towards flat earthers. I use a lot of colorful language, stupid, dumb, no brains, a lot of things. And so I said, well, listen, I'm sorry if I offended you. And she said, oh, you didn't offend us. You can't shake our belief that the earth is flat. And I said, that's it. That's a truther. It doesn't matter what the culture says, we ought to believe the word of God no matter what anybody thinks about us. Come on, somebody. That's incredible. And listen, I'd never spoken to a soul who believed the world was flat till right then. And, and so it was, it was incredible. By the way, welcome to, from all, for, to all of our campuses. Welcome this weekend. You picked an incredible weekend, even if you're a flat earther. You picked a great weekend to come worship at Faith Promise, in person or online. We love you. If you've not come back in person yet, we miss you. We're praying for you. Man, we can't wait for you to come back. And so whether you are a Christ follower or maybe you're just searching for more, I promise you, if you will get all four weekends of this series, Truther, you will never see the world the same And if you apply it to your life, your life will never be the same. As a matter of fact, let me just go ahead and promise you, if you will do the message this weekend, your life will be better immediately. It's going to get better today. It's not that, well, maybe next year. No, it's going to get better today. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend the month of August hanging out with Pastor James. Now, you may not know James. James wrote the book of the Bible that bears his Name. He was the half-brother of Jesus and the first pastor of a church in the history of churches because he pastored First Church Jerusalem. 
He was not an early Christ truther. He did not believe his older half-brother was the Messiah. He actually thought his brother was crazy. They tried to take him home at one point. He didn't believe he was the Messiah until after Jesus was crucified, resurrected from the grave. Then James was saved. Then James believed. Then James went all in and became the pastor. If you, you read the book of Acts, you'll see all the, all the apostles talking about the Gentiles, but James makes the final decision because he's the pastor. Now, a lot of people in the world then and today do not believe that Jesus came out of the grave. They believe that we are truthers when it comes to the resurrection because they do not believe because the official belief statement of the religious leaders and of the government was that it was a cover-up. So you don't believe so? Watch this, Matthew 28, 11. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that happened, i.e., <laughs> listen, he came out of the grave, scared us to death. We all passed out. He's, he's, he's up. He's out. He's alive. He's with us. And when they assembled all the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. They bought him off and said, you were to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we're asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. They took the money and did as they were instructed and this story was widely spread among the Jews as it is to this day. There are a lot of people today that do not believe that Jesus, matter of fact, more people believe that Jesus did not come out of the grave than believe that he did. They just, they, they just don't believe it. But So here's the conspiracy. But either Jesus rose from the dead or he did not. Anybody with me? I believe Jesus rose on Easter. Anybody believe that? Come on. And listen, we don't care if the world thinks we're crazy. They're supposed to think we're crazy. Jesus said they would. It doesn't matter. But the question is, we say we believe it. The real question is, are we living out that truth? Because it is not those that hear the word that are just, but those that do the word that are justified. So James' book is extraordinarily practical in answering these questions, helping live out the truth. I sort of call James Christianity 101. There are 46 musts or imperatives that we are to do as followers, as truthers of Christ. It's how we grow up. It's how you know that you are mature if you are doing the book of James. So we know that Jesus came out of the grave and he left us as our mission to help rescue the world. So James was a, was a, was a Christ truther, so much to the point that in 62 AD, he refused to recant that Jesus was the Messiah, and he was thrown 400 feet off the pinnacle of the temple to his death in Jerusalem, refusing to recant why would he die for a lie, and secondly, praying for his executioners just like his half-brother Jesus did when he was crucified. Paul says in Galatians verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 9, that James is a pillar in the Jerusalem church. He was called James the Just, or old camel knees, because of his prayer life, because James, once he became a Christ truther, began to live his life like he saw his older half-brother live it. So let's look at the first shocking attitude that we are supposed to have. Any Christ followers, any Christ truthers in the house? Let me see you. All right. Okay. You might be sad you did that, but let's go ahead. Because the first attitude that James 
deals with is we are to rejoice when we experience trials. Now, why don't we just start with a hard one? Because if you had to get out of here to go eat lunch and you had to pass a test that you rejoice in trials, would you like me? Would you be like me and fast lunch? Come on, I will come to your house today. Come on, I, I see some of the stuff y'all put online, I know. See, as Christ, as, as Christ truthers, we see with the sight of heaven and we recognize that the resurrection is not a conspiracy theory, but it is reality. And we now know that tests in our life are spiritual proving grounds to produce spiritual maturity. So let's pick it up in the book of James chapter one. And we're gonna camp out here in this book for the, for the month of August. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed, greetings. Hey gang, considered all what? All what? Considered all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials. There it is. We can stop and give an invitation. Couldn't we? And call people to repent. Knowing, not hoping, not what we know. Because we already know that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Come on, this is the will of God. So let, let, me, let, me, let me give you, let me just illustrate that for a minute. Friday night, we had some friends in from Louisiana we hadn't seen in 15 years, and man, we were ecstatic. We met her for dinner, and it was incredible. Imagine you've got an old class friend that you hadn't seen in 10 years. They're coming to your house. You're anticipating, you're waiting at the front door. As soon as they get there, before they push, you open the door, man, and you embrace them, right? You know what I'm talking about? You just welcome an old friend. That's how we treat trials, like an old friend. Is that how you treat trials? Of course not. But it's how we're supposed to. Because see, the world's supposed to think we're crazy. So some of the trials are from without problems and persecutions. Some are from within temptations. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. And so, so we got all this stuff going on. And James 2 said, consider it all, what? Joy. All joy, full and complete. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. Hold up. Hold up. Wait. How about? I'm calling a timeout. Are you kidding me? I hate trials. I never, nobody wakes up and says, Lord, give me a big trial today. Make it hard, harder the better. No, we say today, Lord, make it easy. Make there be no problems. Now, come on, would y'all agree we don't like trials? But I would, I would submit to you that it's the reason that many of us have not grown up. Because our response is to get out of trials, not grow in trials. We're looking for the exit door. God, get me out of here. I don't want this, I hate this, this pressure, this pain, this problem. Get me out of here, I don't want it. And so we don't grow up in Christ. Like a child learning to walk. Have you ever seen a little kid learning to walk about a 12, 13, 14, 15 months, big head, you know, rolling all around, come on. Then fall over, makes my kids big heads, fall over all the time. I thought it was funny, Michelle didn't, but I, I trip them every now and then. And so. They fall down, they get up. How do you learn to walk? By falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up. What, what are the results of these trials that God lets us go through? Which is verse three, that you'll be complete, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect means mature. And, and let me go back. He said in verse three, knowing that the, that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. And listen, 
Listen, if you're, let's say I am, you desperately need endurance. If you're going to build your muscles up, you're going to break them down pumping iron. If you're going to build up your stamina, you're going to do cardio. You need endurance. But Jesus said this, those that endure to the end will be saved. Are you with me? He didn't say those who pray a prayer and then do whatever they want to the rest of their life. He never said that. He said those that endure to the end. And I got to tell you, after almost 40 years of ministry, I can't count the multitudes of people that have fallen by the wayside. It's fallen. I'm not talking about people that left faith promise for another church. I'm talking about people that left faith promise for no church. And what I used to say I was going to do is when somebody new comes, they'll start sending emails. God, this is incredible. You're great. The church is great. Man, this is awesome. And I, what I says, I'm going to save all those because when I'm not anymore and they leave mad at me, I'm going to send them all the emails they sent when they first came. Are you with me? Because listen, after a while, if you're not going to really want to commit and go all in, you're not going to like this place. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't make a social club for people to want to hang out. He called people to go all in. Are you with me? I don't mind calling people to go all in. And when people leave because they won't go all in, I can live with that. I can live with that. So what does he say? Consider in verse 2. Consider it, considered all joy. Consider is an accounting term. It means to count. So, so if you've got an accountant, you're, that means you're going to have a portfolio. And a portfolio, if you've got a retirement portfolio, do you want your, do you want your investments to increase? All right, four of you. The rest of y'all can retire broke. I want mine to go up. Are you with me? I want my faith portfolio to go up. And so trials are credits, not debits. But we view trials as debits and not credits. Therefore, our faith portfolio is not increasing because we are not allowing God to test us in our trials and grow us. We're just trying to get out. So Christ truthers, we understand that God tests us to make us strong and Satan tempts us to make us stray to pull us away, to make us wrong. And we don't, we often don't get, we didn't choose COVID. We don't choose economic turns down. We don't choose to get laid off. We don't choose the trials, but what we do get to choose is how we respond to the trials. Amen? And the Bible's clear. We respond to trials with joy. With joy. Now, have you been sitting around with your small group of believers experiencing joy in the midst of COVID? Or is it a black tie pity party talking about the worst year that we've ever had in the history of the world? It's not, by the way. It's just not. Matter of fact, I'm going to look at COVID now as the greatest thing that ever happened to Faith Promise because we are retooling and refocusing. We are going to get back rifle barrel laser focused on winning people that are far from God. That's why we started. That's what we're going to do. So God's recalibrating us. How we respond. Paul said in Romans 8, 28, we know this. He said, we, we know this, that God causes some things. No, it didn't say all, did it? All? Well, that word's got to mean some. It can't mean all. Do you believe God works all things together for good in your life? Do you believe God works all things together for good? Then respond with joy. Come on, then we respond with joy. When we get to choose when they come, but what we do get to choose is the result of them, verse four, so that you be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect means mature. 
It's God's goal for you to be mature, to grow up in all aspects into Christ. It, it is, it's God that you like nothing. If you and I were to sit down over a cup of coffee and I were to say, what are you liking in your spiritual life? You'd give me a list. We'd build a plan. But if we begin to see trials the way God sees trials, we will begin to narrow down that list because we will be lacking nothing when we see them how God sees them. See, God's goal for you is, listen, God is never satisfied with stagnation but with sanctification. He wants you to grow. Philippians 1.6, he that began a good work in you will complete it. How does he complete it? With trials. That God loves you. He accepted you as you are, but he's not going to leave you like you are. Right? You don't want to stay like you are, do you? Man, I want to mature. I want God to be able to trust me with more. I want to walk in greater anointing and greater miracles. I want to see God, I want to see more people saved. Come on, who's all in for some of that? Anybody all in? So if we're all in and we're Christ truthers, that means we're going to be all in for some trials. But guess what? When we act like that, the world's going to think we have lost our ever-loving mind. They're supposed to. Because when they see us walk with joy in the midst of COVID, an economic downturn, when they see the joy of the Lord on us when everybody else is sucking sour lemons, they're going to want some of what we got. But listen, why would they want what we got when we are just as negative and critical and condemning as they are? The only reason us and them is we have to give up Sunday morning and tithe. They can just stay home and be negative. Are you with me? Well, if you, if you apply this message, will your life get better today? Come on, and no question. So how do you respond to trials? Because let's be real. Many grow old in God, but few grow up in God because we don't see trials. It's God. God's not a helicopter dad. Just, you know, not letting us stumble, not letting us fall, not letting us scratch our knee. God's letting us try to walk, and we stumble over, and he picks us up, and we dust us off, and we go, and we fall, and we grow, and we grow, and we grow, and we grow. He lets us hit the wall. He lets us step in stupid. And then we see those consequences, and we decide we don't want to step in stupid anymore. Mom and dad, listen, mom and dad, who try to take every negative consequence away from your child. Your child will never get out of the stupid pool if you stop all the consequences when they step in stupid. If you run to the school every time your kid gets in trouble like an attorney, firing on the principal, firing on the teachers, because obviously everybody on the planet is against your little sweet Sally. Come on. Some of you thinking, well, he, he, you're talking to me. Yes. I am. See, consequences make us stop stepping in stupid. But so God lets us. We, we, we enter a trial. We mess up. We see it. God begins to speak to us. He begins to grow us. And we mature. See, for the world, they see problems as proof that God doesn't exist. For Christians, we see proof. We see trials as proof that God loves us. Because those I love, I discipline. I don't discipline somebody else's kid, although I've wanted to. <laughs> Have you ever been to the Walmart? I just want to take my belt off and say, ma'am, I'm sure you don't have a belt. I've got one. 
and one of us could beat your kid because he's begging for a beating. Are you with me? Come on, you've seen that kid at Walmart. Man, but God says, you know what? I don't discipline children that are not mine. I discipline my own kids. So what do we do? We ask for wisdom. In the middle of trials, the next sentence in this paragraph, but see, what we do is we stop right there and we go to another topic. It's not. But if anyone asks, lacks wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask. Verse 6. And who, the, ask God who gives generously and without approach, and it will be given to him. But you've got to ask in faith without doubting, for who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything of the, from the Lord, being a double-minded double man and stable in all of his ways. See, when we go in trials, we say, God, would you speak to me? Would you give me wisdom? And he said, I'll give it to you. But you, you believe, God, you're going to grow me in this trial. I, I, with all joy, I respond. You're working all things together for my good. So now, God, I'm in the midst of it. And the quicker I gain wisdom and I mature, the quicker I'll get out of it. Y'all remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Three Hebrew students. Nebuchadnezzar builds a 60-foot statue says everybody bow and worship and when everybody bows and you don't, you stand up. You stand out, right? So everybody could see Shaq Rackbashik, those three Hebrew dudes. <laughs> so everybody could see what was going on. And they're not bowing, so the king calls them and says, listen, I'm going to cook you like a weenie on a grill. You're going to bow before my statue? No, God. No, no, king, we serve the God of heaven. We serve Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai. We, just, we serve the one that rules. He owns the universe. He made the universe, the earth, the, the, earth, the Lord's, and all it contains. We will not bow before you. Do you think your God can deliver you from this? Oh, God, there's no question. I mean, king, oh, there's no question. Our God can deliver us. See, it's a huge statement of faith. We don't know if he will or not, but we know he can. Would you call a fiery furnace a trial? Oh, yeah. They didn't want to go in there, but they were not going to disobey God. And so the king heats the furnace up. The men that threw them into the furnace are cooked as they approach this furnace. And they, they get in there, and then the king stands up. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two. Hey, come here. Come here, dude. How many did we throw in that fire? Three, almighty king. Well, there's four, and the fourth one looks like the son of the most high God. Guess who it was? We're having a Jesus conference inside of the furnace, inside of the trial. Spirit of God moving. Freedom conference. Chains broken. And listen, the king said, come on out now. We're going to hang out in here with Jesus for a while, king. You hang out there. We're going to hang out in the fire. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were closer to God after that? And that's what happens to you when you walk through trials with the vision of heaven. You ask, which is a present tense, ask right now. And you say, God, help me evaluate my experience See, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. God, I'm in the middle of this, and I require wisdom. I didn't ask to be here, but I am, and so enjoy. I'm going to walk through this trial. I ask you to give me wisdom. I ask you to teach me, and you begin to evaluate it. You begin to walk through it. When Michelle and I first got married, we, we were too spiritual to fight, but we had intense fellowship from time to time. And we get in a fight at night, and the next day I say, okay, Michelle, let's talk about that fight yesterday. When did you get mad? What did I say? How did we get there? See, I didn't want to fight again, right? So I was evaluating the fight so it wouldn't happen again. Does this make sense? Evaluated experience. 
See, when your testing has perfect results, you'll be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. Maturity is impossible without trials. Let me give you the outcome. Verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. For once he has been approved, you can't be approved without taking the test. He will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want a crown of life. How about y'all? So listen, let's just, let's walk it together. I know some of you are facing trials right now and difficulty. I I got it. I know you are. Let's rejoice in it. Let's say, God, I didn't ask for this, but you're here. You knew I was here. I know when your goal is in the furnace, your hand is on the thermostat. So God, walk me out of it or walk me through it, but grow me into the man or woman you want me to be. Nothing shocks God. Father, I want to intercede for promisers, tenders, guests. This weekend, those online who are struggling, who are asking the question, why? It's the wrong question. God, help us rejoice and help us ask, what do you want to teach us to mature us, to make us lacking in nothing, complete, that endurance will grow within us and we'll finish this race. God, I pray for revelation and impartation. I pray, God, for encouragement. I pray, God, for insight that today we all will leave this worship event. Online or in person, we'll all leave with greater sight, greater encouragement, and we will never be the same. We want to grow up, not just grow old. Grow us in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Come on, somebody give King Jesus a shout of praise.